Hey, Film Files, welcome back. I'm Jimmy Malone. I'm Stuart Randolph. I'm Ben Snowden. And this is Movie Show Theater. In a world where movies are everywhere, these heroes will make sense of some of the world's strongest films. Jimmy, Ben, and Stuart. This is Movie Show Theater. So if you've never listened before, we're a movie show. We talk about all sorts of movies from all sorts of genres. So before we begin, I wanted to let you know that coming up in um, a little over two months, we're going to be doing our first of many movie show theater events. This is going to be a double feature at the Apollo Theater in Peoria. If you don't know where the Apollo Theater is, it's at 311 Main Street in Peoria. So tickets are going to go on sale this Friday. You'll be able to get those at the Apollo. You'll also be able to get those at Blue. Um, And if you know me, you know Blue. Blue is a bar on uh, West Main at 619. It's not just a great place to be yourself and get some good drafts, but uh, they're real plugged into the community. They have a couple of neat events um, every third Friday of the month is uh, Adele Dazim. It's hosted by my girlfriend, and they uh, celebrate show tunes in every shape or form, from Lion King to Sister Act to Rent to blah, blah, blah. Oh, my God, it's awesome. Uh, So that's every third Friday. And then um, first Friday is the first Friday of the month. They spotlight a new local artist every month, and they uh, have their prints available. They're in connection with... Some other great businesses in Peoria. Um, and it's just a great place. So, anyway, this Friday you can get tickets at Blue, also uh, at the Apollo Theater, and you can find us on uh, the website, either 90.7 Facebook or Movie Show Theater Facebook. It's going to be from 6 to 10. First, we're going to do The Night of the Living Dead, starting at 6.20. And then we're going to do Westworld. Woot, woot. Starting at 8. Yule Brenner, wear your bald caps, kids. Forgot to mention that there's none more black than blue. None more black. That's good. (laughs) And your eyes are really creeping me out right now. (laughs) So weird. But anyway, so yeah, so the. So there's going to be free popcorn, free soda, audience participation for both movies. Um, it's seven seven dollars per movie, and if you want to see both movies, it's ten bucks. So good deal. Cheapest movie in town. So, wow, that was three minutes? Okay. Well, anyway, um, Ben, what did you choose? I chose This is Spinal Tap. <laughs> and we're laughing already. <laughs> From 84? Yes. I am so glad you picked this movie. There is going to be no discordance in the room tonight. There might be. I don't know, man. This Maybe movie, a little. This film has a lot of staying power. Yeah, um, it's 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 funny. All right, well, this has been Movie Show Theater. We'll see you next Tuesday. <laughs> no, this movie is great. I was. It, it's kind of like a a mashup of, you know, I I kept thinking about Led Zeppelin during the whole thing, you know, when they're when they're talking about the asphyxiation with the drummers and how many drummers have died, and they're talking about one of their drummers that chokes on somebody else's vomit. 
which is amazing. I think they're almost like an amalgamation of all of these British bands because they have the skull with the horns, which is like a parody of Iron Maiden's mascot, Eddie. And then uh, when when they uh, started playing um, their rock and roll creation song, it's like a Black Sabbath riff. (laughs) Very much so. And then they kind of have some songs that almost have like this swinging feel like some of the British and American bands like Molly Hatchet the dun da dun da dun da dun dun da dun dun <laughs> and, and with the exploits too like if you if you uh go to a scene later in the film like Nigel and his finger sandwiches <laughs> Oh yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, that reminded me of that reminded me of Van Halen because they infamously had this finger note sandwich. in their tour writer where <laughs> supposedly they said that they wanted all brown M&Ms picked from Oh yeah 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 God, the bowls backstage Well and if you so keep folding awful. it over that just doesn't work it just, it's breaking the bread. It just keeps breaking. <laughs> so I tried to watch an interview with Christopher Guest, and it's so awkward. Like, wonderfully awkward. He's intentionally being... It was when... He's uh, intentionally being Nigel the entire time. Oh, yeah. Well, and all of his movies are just so incredibly... Uh, I mean, it, it reeks of, of ad-lib and improv, even if you don't really, you know, have a lot of background with this <laughs> sort of humor. Everything he does. Everything he does is ad lib and and it just seems like it's always off the cuff. It seems like very little of it's ever scripted in oh, yeah. any way, shape, or form, and it's golden. I mean, we 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 won't get here tonight because we're still talking about Spinal Tap. But let's be honest. I mean, the Six Figure Men. Yeah, I mean, The Princess Bride, The Six Figure Men. It seems like everything he does in that is off the cuff too. Mm-hmm. But with Nigel. Oh my gosh! Oh geez, it's just—it's just—it's—it's it's that he's so dumb. I know it, but it's here's <laughs> the thing. He's just so dumb. He's, ben. Well, you're not so as confused as Nigel. <laughs> so if you're not—if you're not familiar with this, is Spinal Tap? It's a fake documentary or fake rockumentary, mockumentary about Spinal Tap, a British heavy metal band who has uh, seen better days, and Nigel is the main lead guitarist, and you know he's almost uh, a musical genius but when it comes to common sense he's just dumb as a stack of bricks uh, uh, that's giving stack of bricks a bad name he's uh, no he's a knuckle dragging drooler why don't you just make entire thing why don't you just make the 10 louder oh, yeah yeah because that one goes to 11 so i like uh, so i had a notebook in front of me watching the movie today and the first 20 minutes i was just writing down all the lines that i loved and after that it was like I, I, I'll never be able to watch this film if I write down every single line that I love because they're just – and I think the chemistry – There's too much. There's too much. And this was the first – well, they all worked together before this, but this was the first like full-length feature altogether that they were all in with um, Michael McKeon and oh, yeah. Harry Shreer. Oh, yeah. Um, but after that, you know, they did Waiting for Guffman and Best in Show and um, – uh, what else? There was a couple more. Uh, the uh, Prayer Home Companion they all did, too. Oh, I never saw that. Oh, yeah, that was good. Mighty Wind, that was another. The Mighty Wind, yeah. Mighty yeah. Wind was really good. So, I guess on IMDb, the ratings... They gave it an 8. Out of 11. Out of 11. <laughs> out of 11. <laughs> well, when, you go, when you go and rate it, I think it still shows out of 10, but then yeah. when you read the... Average, it's, it's out of eleven. Out of eleven, yes. It's unbelievable. I mean, all right, let's you you go back to this and you look at this casting crew. Rob Reiner, awesome. 
obviously playing a, a, a mockumentary director, and he asked some pretty pointed questions of the of the band throughout, and they just don't know how to deal with him, and it is so funny to watch this because you're you're sitting there thinking, uh, oh. Oh, oh no, 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 they can't be answering that that way. They just can't be answering it that way. And yet, they answer it, you know, whatever the question was, it's just awful. And and frankly, the 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 band members, the the main band members, Michael McKeon, Christopher Guest and Harry Shearer, comic geniuses when it comes to this sort of thing. I mean, just comic geniuses. And it, it just warms my heart to know that Harry Shearer went on and while he hasn't been on a lot of physical, like, face roles, he went on with his voice and just has done wonders on The Simpsons. Mm-hmm. If you don't know Harry Shearer, go look him up, kids, because you don't know The Simpsons if you don't know Harry Shearer. So, I don't I don't know. I mean, it and, and Michael McKeon and Christopher Guest, I mean, you would know them to look at them, but you wouldn't necessarily put the name with them if you weren't, if you didn't grow up with them. Christopher Guest in particular, you wouldn't know his face if you didn't grow up with him and you didn't understand his, his comedy all along, so. Yeah, well, it's, and so much of the humor is so, I was reading one of the uh, reviews and, oh, what's the, what's the guy's name from? You two, the edge watched it, and he didn't laugh the whole time because it was so true to life. <laughs> He's like, "This isn't even. This is a legitimate documentary." This is a and legitimate documentary. Tom Waits, Tom Waits kind of had the same reaction, and what? other bands. No, yeah, yeah. Tom Waits is like my favorite of all time. Well, he had for, the same reaction. Well, for him, I think it was more of, "Oh wow, this is what rock has become." Because when you look at the time frame where it was made. Uh, Supposedly, in this fake documentary, this action is taking place in 1982. So right. you're kind of kind of seeing the emergence of this kind of hard rock. Well, it, it, there had been hard rock before. That was just just hair metal. It was hair becoming metal. hair metal. Yeah. And the lyrical themes were just completely dense. I mean, not that rock has been known for intellectual lyrics, but it was just getting pretty absurd. You know, every single song had to be overtly sexual, and it's. Also very telling in this fake documentary, the points they made were very, very true, especially the uh, scene where uh, Nigel and David St. Hubbins are being interviewed. And uh, Marty DeBerge says, so your audience is mostly made up of young boys, (laughs) (laughs) which they obviously every single answer is is completely stupid because this band, they've had their, you know, egos gently cradled, but it winds down to pretty much them saying, oh, it's this sexual thing, and then Nigel saying it's because we have armadillos in the pants. that's right, because we've got armadillos in our pants, (laughs) and and so what it is, is they're looking for some sort of a sexual role model. (laughs) That's what it really, truly is. They, they, They want to be us. They want to they want to they want to live our lives right so there it is yeah and i love how uh rob reiner being one of my favorite directors who directed you know princess bride stand by me misery oh, yeah. 
you know, this film, he immediately discredits himself when he's giving the preface and he's like, do you remember that commercial with the doggy following that girl around? That's me. Me. That's me. It's like, oh, okay, so you're a laughing stock before we even begin. So You, You are a commercial director, not an actual film director, and you're following this has been banned around. Thank you very much for making Psalm us not in, want to watch this anymore. Psalm in 66 right. at the Electric Banana, but yeah, don't yeah, look for yeah. it. It's not there anymore. <laughs> the Electric the Banana. The Electric Banana. And right. I, I like what he's given his little uh, intro to the band, and he's like, I was really moved by the raw power and punctuality. <laughs> <laughs> the punctuality of the band. Right. They were right there on time. Because that's, that's what musicians are known oh, for. Oh, yeah. Punctuality. I think what this film also nailed is the fact that this band they pretty much hopped on trends throughout their entire career because the earliest clip is them kind of doing like this kind of British R&B aping the Beatles kind of thing. Yeah, then like all of a Beatles sudden, monkeys. like the Flower People video, the they're psychedelic. Then they're like, you know, let's Listen try hard rock and metal. To what the flower people say. Which was their biggest hit. Like, yeah. that's what made them famous. Now they're a, they're a, a hard rock slash metal band. It's getting yeah. loud every I think, day. I, like you were saying, it's it's definitely a, a mash of, of different bands. I mean, the really interesting thing to me is that this movie came out in 84, and this stereotype of of musicians who were stupid in front of a microphone, and you put a, you know, you pump drugs and alcohol in them all night, and you put a guitar on their backs, and they're... You know, they they do things that that we could never do. So oh, yeah. there, there's a level like of play incredible a guitar talent. with a violin. Right? Oh my and, gosh! Oh, which was a, oh wait, we which was an come back awesome Jimmy Page reference. The, no, I, I, that was one of the most outrageous things I've ever seen. Come on, let's be honest. <laughs> he is just a horrible guitar player to begin with, and yet he's playing a guitar with his foot. He's not playing. horrible. No, he's phenomenal. I think he's a great guitar player. He is horrible. Are you serious? Yet, really? No, he's horrible. Nigel Tufnell in this film no, is they're all talented. horrible. That's the whole they're joke of the movie, I think. No, no. The, no, no, the, no, the guitar no, no, solo no. is terrible. The guitar solo is totally horrible. It is. It is horrible. I agree on that. He's just playing like There's, random stuff fast. Yeah. I mean, no. Th- okay, they're musicians, and this is known throughout. They're all they all can play the instruments that they were playing. I mm-hmm. mean, there's no doubt about it. But the fact that that solo was so horrible. When he picks up the violin, is playing his guitar with the violin, he tunes and then the violin. tunes the yeah, violin yeah, yeah, yeah. to play his guitar with the violin. Come on! And I Come love on. you. Gotta always stay in tunes, dude. I love it. Awful. I know that's why I loved I it. I sat back and I wept. I was. Oh, well, was you remember just... the famous Jimmy Page clip of him playing the uh, guitar with the violin bow. Well, yeah, that's different. From St. Earl's Court. I know, but I think, I mean, there's all these different iconic rock moments that they kind of, like, take to the next level. Oh, turn it up to 11, if you will. Turn it all up to 11. No, I get it. I get it. They were they were lampooning a whole industry. They were lampooning a whole lifestyle. But come on. That was just, that one went that too far awesome. almost. I love one of the, the opening songs where Harry Shearer has a double-necked bass. Yeah. <laughs> and actually, they all have bass God. guitars in you that song. You mean Big Bottom? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Big Bottom. I really Tonga. like the synth part. Mud flaps, my girl's yeah. got em. Guy on the keyboards? 
Yeah, uh, Viv Savage. He's my, yeah. I was, like he was a creepy guy. But here's all the, the thing: way like, the movie. to me, He's like so creepy. To me, it's the really, really minor characters who make this film really, really, really strong. Yeah, you know, because you have the three main characters: you know, Derek Smalls, David St. Hummins, right, and Nigel Tufnell. But then, like Viv Savage, uh, Paul Schaefer as Artie Fufkin. Yeah. Oh, oh my God. Hi, I'm Artie Fufkin. Artie Fufkin, nice to meet you. My name's Artie Fufkin. We, uh, we, 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 oh, we didn't just saturate. No, we, we oversaturated. We, we oversaturated. Yeah. <laughs> Artie Fufkin. I was just glad How to see him. How many times did he say that in that scene? His name. At 15 least 15. or 16, yeah. No, it was more than he that. He introduced himself to at least four people in that room, and he just introduced <laughs> himself generally, so it was probably Hi, pushing 10. I'm Artie Fufkin. And I loved his uh, white jacket that was silky with the Oh, the costumes throughout oh, the decades yeah. were great. Oh, but just brilliant. That earlier scene that you were talking about when they when it was black and white and it was kind of a Beatles monkey sort of thing. Oh, yeah. It reminds me of money. Rolling Stones through the ages because Rolling Stone went through the hippie area with, era with flowers. and Oh, you yeah. Know, the they Beatles, did the, Beatles did the same thing. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, but the Beatles span was, you know, eight years. Or oh, something like that. Well, yeah, but but the Rolling Stones, the Rolling Stones didn't take that next leap into the hair metal, though. Right. They kept true to themselves after after the seventies. They kept with that. It was they're they're still truly in my in my feeling a seventies band. They're always going to be a seventies band. Mm-hmm. You know, they had a great run in the sixties, and then the seventies they really came into some of the best music that rock and roll has ever seen, and. And again, it this this film is trying to lampoon some of that, and that's great. That's great, but it doesn't truly reach the spirit of the music. I'm sorry, there are three or four songs in this that just fall flat for me, but there are also three or four that total I can't get out of my head. Yeah. After I've, I've you know, I mean, uh, you know, uh, Sex Farm. Sex farm. Working on a sex farm. That, some of their venues. <laughs> that they, some of the venues they. Uh, or big bottoms. Or, or you know, listen to what the flower people say. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, the, those three songs in particular, hilarious. They are hilarious rock anthems. And they could put those out now as this group. And they would do well because of the ridiculous nature of the music Mm -hmm. yeah i think it's interesting that this movie people still get it almost 30 years later that are you know 18 19 that watch this movie because for me this was comedies are really difficult for me it's really and it's not because i'm who didn't get my highbrow humor i just don't laugh out loud a lot sometimes in comedies i might breathe a little harder out of my nose but are you sure you're watching a comedy yeah like the first time that I watched American Pie, it was like, I don't, I don't get it. Didn't like it. And and a lot I of I didn't like that one either, though. I mean, that a, might a be lot a bad of, example. A lot of these '80s like situational comedies, like oh. Animal House. I never really, I never really liked that. I mean, what? I I appreciate, I appreciate it's 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 like what it's what it did for comedies and certain actors, but I don't laugh. I I mean, it's I just I laughed at that one. I, li- I liked I, Animal House. Yeah, I did too. I think the thing too is we have to look at generations um, 
by the time Animal House had come around to Jimmy and I's generation, like that film had been hashed to death or that scenario. So yeah. a lot of times you'll see right. the movies that were influenced by Animal House before you see an Animal House. And that's exactly what like happened. That. And so it's, you're it's just like, what's so I special was... about this? I could, I, I just think I appreciated it because it didn't seem like what they were doing was forced like all those other movies were. Mm-hmm. Well, and see, there, there it is. I mean, in looking at this, this was the first of its kind. Mm-hmm. This was the first. I want to say it was the first fake documentary of its kind. I mean, you 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 go back and you look, and there was nothing like this ever before, and and that's what made this particular film so cutting edge and so wonderful. And it really was an opening door for so many different actors and actresses. Now there were some that already had an opening, like for instance, Bruno Kirby was in The Godfather. All right, he played. He was in The Godfather already. I mean, he was already there. I mean, he was, he was in Godfather too, and so he didn't need an opening necessarily. But he played that limo driver who was talking about Frank Sinatra the <laughs> entire time. You did not drop it, and he got. And, and he just, <laughs> this is uh, this is. I, I want to say it to him, but uh, this is this is a fad. Uh, it's a fad. You know what right? that book I mean, should have been called. Sammy Davis Jr. says so if Frankie allows it. If Frankie allows it. I mean, that's right. I mean, but that whole that whole scene was hysterical. Billy Crystal. That, yeah. Billy Crystal and Bruno Kirby. And oh, he never really said man. anything, but he are was you, there. Uh, are you forgetting someone? Want me to give you an audio clue? <laughs> Fran Drescher, yes. Uh, you didn't do her laugh, really, because she was just so... That. Well, she was oh, just so straight. Like, she was just like a straightforward character. She was herself. Character. Yeah, she's just like, she hey... She was playing herself. We it's... can't release this album because the image on the cover is so horribly sexist. And that was one of my favorites, too. Like, the whole idea of the album cover that you never see. Oh, my gosh. That is so hysterical. But it's, it's And sexy. then it comes out, and it's like... It's like this plain black album. And I'm, I'm thinking to myself... <laughs> it's a black mirror. <laughs> that was yeah, that was awesome. Stretched leather. Yeah, yeah. But but the, the fact of the matter is this: is I'm looking at this as it's going, and I'm thinking to myself, any band worth their salt would be like, oh yeah, no, this is fine. No, no, there's no lettering, there's no writing, there's nothing on the front of this album. Great, everybody's gonna know it's ours. Everyone will know, no matter how horrible it is. Apparently. But everyone will know it's ours. And so I couldn't have gotten upset about that at all. And the fact, the fact that they were trying to put out an album, and, and if you go back and look at their other album covers, it's awful. I mean, they're awful. Shark sandwich. Intravenous <laughs> de Milo. The gospel yeah. according to Spinal Tap. Like, yeah. I particularly liked Shark it. sandwich? I particularly liked uh, Intravenous de Milo for some reason. That just album so cover. Done. Yeah. I guess I guess the smell of the glove was based on the White Snake album, Love Hunter. Do you see that? <laughs> Which is pretty awesome. Well, I mean, you, uh, it was disturbing, but, yeah. but it's certainly not the most oh, shocking. If you go and no, Google please. worst album covers, you can see that there was a plethora Far to draw more. from when it comes to bad old school oh, 70s, yes. 80s album oh, covers. Yes. Far worse. Yeah. There's one, I can't remember the band, it's just like this guy standing on a beach, and there's a woman who's like, you can only see the guy's, like, he's in jeans. So you see the guy from the waist down in jeans facing the water. There's this woman at, like, uh, level is that a parallel Springsteen to his... Album, no, it? it's it's just implying that she's going to do something to this oh, man. And there's, then yeah, there's yeah. a dog in the yeah. picture just like, uh... What's a dog what? going to do? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but it's funny that uh, the 
Spinal Tap album is a black album because Metallica pretty much released a black album. They did something very similar, except they, they just did. had Metallica logo in this uh, this snake that was kind of in the no, and, right and corner. The, the difference is is that Metallica is genuinely a a decent band and good musicians, whereas Spinal Tap never was, never has been, and never will be. This is all meant to be a parody. This is all meant to be horrid. Yes, they can all play. Yes, the music is not necessarily horribly bad, but still, it's so ridiculous. It's so ridiculous. And the all right, let's get right to it. the The relationship with with uh, Michael McKeon's wife, uh, June, it, mm-hmm. it's such a parallel, uh, obvious parallel of Yoko and John, mm-hmm. right? I mean. And and the whole getting back together at the end of the movie where they're, he was calling him up on stage and, come on, Nigel, come back up on stage. I mean, seriously, the whole thing was ridiculous. Yeah. It was I think just ridiculous. It's, it's these, you know, musician stereotypes that still are are, are existing in music today. And and I think the, the hilarious thing about this movie one of many hilarious things is that if this rockumentary never existed and this was a real band and they just spit out these albums it wouldn't make a whole lot of difference but if you made documentaries and you followed around quiet riot and rolling stones and they look a lot like that they would look a lot like that because and probably be worse if it was a rolling stones especially (laughs) yeah way worse hey look keith's drinking a lot again yeah because you can't i mean you know like we were saying once they're in front of the microphone with the guitars they have this you know uh mentality and this stage presence that you don't get a feel for who these people are but there's you know some exceptions in in the 70s and 80s i mean Robert Plant is is a pretty smart guy, and uh, oh no, there's Daltry still is, you oh know, yeah, no, there's still a lot of smart smart musicians out there. But it's those fly by night groups that came and went in the eighties, and, and I mean, <laughs> with the exception of Rush, of course. Yeah, but, Rush you know, is phenomenal. Yeah, Rush is phenomenal. They're smart but guys, super too. bright. Yeah, yeah, we'll say yeah, some of them are. Yeah, but but again. <laughs> It's just, you know, there are a lot of those groups that, that came and went and, and are these groups that are never going to – that if you were to follow them around, obviously they would be this way. Obviously they would be this ridiculous. The whole scene will Nigel, where Nigel's complaining about the, the big meat and the little bread and the sandwiches. <laughs> and the olive. And, <laughs> one has the pimento well, yeah. and one doesn't. Well, here's the thing, too. Um, that it, was ridiculous. It's, I just, it's one of those deals where Marty DeBerge is, you know, truly a Spinal Tap fan, but he doesn't realize he's just capturing a band that's uh, has popularity that's just falling off the face of the earth. You know, their popularity is non-existent pretty much. I mean, they're to the point where they're performing at, you know... Uh, Air bases and at amusement parks, uh, build below puppet shows, mm-hmm. and that's that's kind of like the sad part of the film if you think about it is how they're like rolling out all these old gimmicks like Stonehenge, Jazz Odyssey. They're oh, trying to relive oh, old glories. We have about to talk Stonehenge. about. Yeah. No, we're not going to do Stonehenge. <laughs> Nobody knows who they were or what they were that doing. That was a direct blast. At Rush, I swear it was before the dawn of because history. Of, <laughs> no, because because of Rush's song, The Necromancer. If you've never heard ne- The Necromancer, you have to go out and check it out. It is a beautifully wonderful song by Rush, but this is such a ridiculous smash on on that. And in the movie, who 
in their right mind thinks that it's 18 inches and not 18 feet. Who Anybody who's building a set piece knows that it's 18 feet unless Ian screws it up and doesn't say it's a set piece at that point and just wants a design for a set piece. That yeah. was that, like, that. Well, she used uh, she used what looked like a quotation. I'm sorry. Nigel used what looked like a quotation mark, the inch mark instead of the right, one slash the or slash. Feet. Yeah. yeah so that's I think what that it was, was. Yeah. She thought it was like, oh, this is like the replica that you're going to use yeah, for the real set piece. She yeah. Did no, job. she but did it's exactly such, a, it's such a great example of poor communication that. Uh, you and know, then, Nigel messed up. And then later on, when he tries to pass it off, <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. comedy. Oh, that was so hysterical when he tries to pass that off. Some of Ian's it lines just... are so well delivered. You could like, he does such a great job of expressing like frustration. He's probably one of the you know smarter than all of the other band members. Oh, geez, yeah. And he knows how to spin stuff really right. well. Right. For the but most the, part, yeah. The sooner there, he quits, is their awesome. appeal is becoming more selective. <laughs> Boston's canceled. I wouldn't worry about it. It's not a big college town. Right. Yeah, so they have they have all these shows that are being canceled, and he's trying to, you know, protect the band's egos once again by saying, you know, uh, New York, they're not much of a rock and roll town. Philadelphia right. is, though. And he keeps on saying this when they have all these dates that are canceled, and that's another thing that's kind of true to life. And when rock stars age... And a lot of times, age disgracefully, it doesn't wind up very well. I was telling Jimmy about this last week, but I saw Adler. And if you're not familiar with Adler, that's Steven Adler. He was on Celebrity Rehab. He was the first drummer for Guns N' Roses. Uh, this oh, was at no. <laughs> a bar a bar in Edelstein, of all places, outside of town that eventually burned down. But here's the thing. This guy was playing stadiums with Guns N' Roses, playing for thousands and thousands of fans in the early 90s. So let's flash forward about 20 years. And where is he? He's playing for, at the very most, 100 people in the middle of the country. Yeah, and well, I, that is sad. That's a harsh reality that this film captured. But, but even though it's still hilarious, a lot of those bands from the '80s are doing well, that. Now. They Dylan just hold on. And... The Chiefs Stadium for crying out loud! Last year, yeah? I didn't go because it just breaks my heart. Like I don't want to. Why? S- well, because Bob Dylan's different. Bob Dylan is completely different. He's a legend. Bob Dylan can Bob Dylan can play in a cafe anywhere he wants to, and it's still a rock concert. It's still a brilliant thing. I'm sorry, I disagree. I, I mean, well, it doesn't, he never lost the luster. He never sold out. Uh, he never he never became something less than what he actually was. Yeah. A band like, for instance, Journey, though, playing in at the Chief Stadium, that is a laughing stock as yeah. far as I'm concerned. A band like um, Styx, you know, who was huge in the in the 80s and the early 90s. Playing a small venue. That is a laughing stock. Ario Speedwagon. Ario mm-hmm. Speedwagon. Uh, Molly, dire Straits. Molly Hatchet. Molly Hatchet. All these other bands that had their day that are now reduced to playing these small venues. Those bands are what this movie was all about. Those bands are what Spinal Tap, unfortunately, a lot of them have become. Is this... They're trying to recapture the, the – they're trying to catch that lightning in a bottle again and again and again. They'll never do it. This is sad on a lot of ways because you're watching some guys who might have had some talent at one point in time absolutely combust. Mm-hmm. They're breaking down. And, and 
and this is a thing that I found really fascinating about this film, and I, I still do. I, I would watch it every week if I had the time, probably. It's that this is a movie that's a parody of the music scene at the time, but in the film, the band becomes a parody of themselves. Oh, yeah. There are like the so many layers thing. to oh, it. Oh, jeez, yeah. That, there's no doubt in my mind. They're not just a parody. I mean, they're a joke to begin with. They're a joke from the time that they first step on the screen. And, and I mean, come on. Harry Shearer's character, when he gets stopped at the the, the metal detector. With the cucumber in his yeah, pants. And tinfoil. <laughs> oh, my God. He goes, I mean, you just don't know what to expect the first time you see it. You just don't know. And then, finally, he just reaches down and pulls a, a cucumber out of his pants wrapped in tinfoil. My question is this. If you're going to go to that extreme, why are you going to wrap it in uncomfortable metal paper, essentially? Yeah. Why not just leave it, leave it all dense. natural? Protect it. I want to know your mentality. Yeah, when, when uh, Nigel leaves and they start doing these venues, the reason I was, I was thinking Bob Dylan is because of this, because Bob Dylan is an institution, and Bob Dylan does not – I feel like he does not – he does not need to be playing these shows. His tours and and you know what he charges and what he plays is he's kind of just controlled by you know whoever his manager is, whatever. I I, I YouTubed Bob Dylan Live 2013, and it sounds bad. Not because I'm insulting Bob Dylan, because he's 80, you know, 80 whatever years old. This is primary aging and and his vocal cords and his esophagus and his like he just he physically can't do it anymore. So it breaks my heart when when Bob Dylan performs at the Peoria Chiefs Stadium. When he dies, but, this is what we're going to remember. Like, this is no, going to be like some no, of his no, last shows. No, uh, Not uh, what I, we're going to remember. No, but. no, I, I get where you're coming from. I do, Jimmy. I, I understand where you're coming from. But he's never going to be a laughing stock. Yeah. I mean, truly never going to be a laughing stock. No one's ever going to look at Bob Dylan's work, body of work, and go, oh, my gosh, he had this great period, and then he went straight downhill from true, there. True, true. No one is ever going to say that about him in this instance and and in a lot of – okay, you can look at – I think there are a few bands that you can look at where you're never going to say they went downhill. The Rolling Stones are never going to fall into that category. No matter how old you are, if you go back and listen to early Rolling Stones all the way through their heyday, you are going to love the Rolling Stones. And part of what I think is brilliant about the Rolling Stones is that they stopped trying to reinvent themselves. They stopped doing that. They just are who they are, and they're going to be who they are. And and that's great. And then you, you look at bands like... Um, Oh shoot! Who's another one? ACDC. ACDC. They've had. They never changed anything like whatsoever. Never. Ever. I mean, they're, they're Bon Scott died. So what do they do? They replace him with a guy who sounds almost exactly like him. No kidding, right? <laughs> I mean, but again, but they their their stuff. They're still not writing new music. They're still relying on their old stuff. Um, another one. They have um, new music, but I'm, I'm guessing their live show is still like ninety percent their old stuff. Absolutely, because with like one or two new go songs. To it. Right. Uh, uh, Metallica is another great example. Metallica. Everybody, most people hate their new stuff, so they'll you know lean on their first four albums that are more thrash heavy. But than they're still better musicians now than they ever were when they did those original albums. Except for and, their drummer. Okay, fair enough. Well, Lars is bad. Well, fair enough, but 
they're still better now than what they've ever been, and yet their music is... I mean, my son picks up Metallica and went, Dude, I listened to this cool band one mm-hmm. time, Dad. It was called Metallica. And I'm like, I grew up on that. Didn't, he do this? Didn't you tell me he did the same thing with Primus? He did the exact same thing with Primus. He said, Dad, I got this band. you got to listen to it. He puts in Primus and plays it. And I'm like, that's Primus. Their first album came out when I was a senior in high school. And he was like, what? Voila. <laughs> exactly. And I, he was like, no, they didn't. I was like, son, I have it in the basement. Follow me. And I took him down and I showed it to him. And he lost his ever freaking mind. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, there's good music. These guys in Spinal Tap... <laughs> Never have represented everything. Represented anything that even remotely sounds like good music. It's funny. It's campy. But again, it's it's a great take on the industry, and it's a great take on how bands combust from the simplest things. Yeah, it is the simplest things. They 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 sandwich bread size. Simple thing. A girlfriend being introduced, who everybody knows is a girlfriend, they should deal with it. Costumes. <laughs> I love those sketches. The costumes, or or the Janine set has pieces. some ideas. The set pieces where yeah, the set pieces where that incredible. cocoon thing doesn't open and <laughs> and he's stuck in it the entire song. The timing is incredible. <laughs> When they each close and they on the like road, this ridiculous blowtorch in the back, <laughs> and that like, hammer banging out of the hammer. hammer and everything else, completely ridiculous stuff. And <laughs> how? I mean, that's just so dumb. We know these things happen in live concerts. We know that it occurs, but they they seem to encapsulate every. Re- ridiculous element the only thing that didn't happen which i was surprised is they didn't set fire to an arena with their pyrotechnics you mm-hmm. know uh, that, you know well you have to wait until the simpsons episode where they shoot where they shoot lasers and i think what is it uh derek smalls who gets a laser to the eye that was what the auto show episode oh i love that episode and then i think in that episode doesn't spinal tap die in a bus crash they do <laughs> oh i've never seen that episode yeah and, and they end up they end up leaving uh, what's his name uh, Millhouse at the at the Hello. at the actual he's like isn't he under like a pile of chairs he's buried under a pile of chairs yeah <laughs> it's like it was just just hilarious and ridiculous all at the same time yeah, yeah I think so, really that's the the spirit they're trying to capture they're like even though we talked about if you think about the film a little bit it's it's sad because there are bands like that it's hilarious at the same time and I think hilarious wins out over sad. Like every oh, yeah, day of the yeah, week. Yeah, totally. Well, because really, you know, it's it's kind of first world band problems. I'm sorry you're playing lame venues, but if you blew your money on drugs and women, then that's your well, fault. Whatever. Saucy, we, we, we have time to do Saucy Jack. Yeah. Saucy Jack. <laughs> I love when they're playing in the venue at Theme Land and they're like, oh, yeah, that should be a real cozy 10 minute set. <laughs> <laughs> Because they can't do anything without Nigel. Like, because right, he does right. all these solos. We're like, well, scratch that, scratch that, scratch that. Jazz Odyssey. Yeah, yeah. We're going in a new we direction. Spinal Tap Jazz Mach. Odyssey. Spinal Tap Mach 2. I hope you like a new sound. He's like, he has, they're, they're just starting this freeform jazz, you know. So, so Completely pre- unrehearsed. So pretentious, you know. He has, like, these sunglasses on, these aviators, and he's playing his Les Paul just, and the fans hate it because they're like, no, we're here to see Spinal we're, Tap, yeah, the Yeah, they're here to see the rock. original stuff. Heavy metal band. Okay, and that's the other thing that I don't like about live concert crowds. 
Live concert crowds irritate the living daylights out of me because they are there to see one thing and one thing only, and that's the hits that that mm-hmm. band has done. I have always gone to live concerts wanting to see something new, different, or original. Deep cuts, too. The deep, deep cuts. Deep cuts. I want to see them get up there and do something weird and outrageous. Mm-hmm. Dave Matthews' band is awesome for that. I love Dave Matthews' band. I've never gone to a concert of theirs where they have not just stretched their original stuff out into these outrageous, wonderful things. Mm-hmm. People are upset about that, and, and yet I don't understand why. You want to listen to their, their hits, buy their album, and sit on your MP3 Be player and just play it all day long. Don't come to a live concert. Usually the hits aren't even the best songs anyway. No! Well, especially with Dave. I mean, look at his catalog. Oh, How, it's huge! Where do you begin? It's enormous, you know? And... Yeah, when I saw I saw the last tour of Pink Floyd, and they could be pretty easily compared to Spinal Tap in a lot of ways with their theatricality and everything else. But I I went to, I, I saw I saw Pink Floyd in Kansas City in their last tour, and and that was one of the most amazing shows I've ever seen. And it was at the Chief Stadium. It was a true arena show. When was this? This was oh shoot! This had to have been um, ninety four. Was it 95. Pulse? It was uh, Division Bell tour. Oh okay, gotcha. Just before Pulse. Gotcha. Just before Pulse, but uh, it, it was absolutely incredible, and Gilmore was great, and the whole band was outstanding. You know, you heard some of their classic tunes, but again, it was it was a theatrical production it wasn't their album it wasn't you know i mean you heard some of the greatest of pink floyd but it wasn't you you didn't leave disappointed that you were just hearing you know dark side of the moon or the wall hits you heard a mix of everything and it was brilliant this band spinal tap how could they even begin to put together a show like that they couldn't <laughs> Maybe in their flower people days they had the budget. And that's that's another thing to point out, too, when uh, they're going over the proposed costumes. Um, Ian is just like, how are we going to afford this? Which then oh, leads to the, with the, if they, if they went the route of almost a kiss. Yeah. With the makeup. Like and lion the, and a crustacean. <laughs> <laughs> the crab for, for uh, Harry Shearer. It's a... <laughs> It was ridiculous. And, and it I love was the fact, so ridiculous. I love the fact that uh, <laughs> Nigel and Janine just absolutely hate each other. And there's another line that I almost forgot when she calls Dolby Dubly. Dubly. Yeah. The, the album's you not know, mixed right. It's not mixed in Dubly. Dubly? What are you talking about? Dubly. Oh, Dolby. <laughs> I'm sure I can find these online, but I love Nigel shirts. I want oh, all yeah, of like the skeleton oh, one. The Gumby, yeah, the skeleton Gumby. one when he's like, this is an exact replica of my insides. He's like, well, look at your veins. Do you see that the blue? No, if you were to actually, oh. Oh, yeah. Maybe oh, it's not green then. Yeah, maybe it's not green. It might, oh, all right, all right. The blood is actually red. So anyway. Yeah, and the room of guitars. Yes. He's like, this one I've never played. Listen to that sustain. Well, I mean, if it was playing, you'd hear that sustain. You'd hear the sustain. <laughs> listen, right. Listen, I, I like the fact, too, like, with movies, it's so subjective. So many people go back to the 11 part of that scene. But I like everything leading up to it a little bit better when he's talking about the guitar at <laughs> the sustain. He's like, don't point at it. Don't yeah, point yeah, at the guitar. Yeah, it's yeah. like sitting no, in the corner with the tag. No, don't look at it. it it's No. 
it's there. It's really interesting. Like, they're <laughs> complete idiots. Their music is, you know, average at best. The later days oh, were yeah. horrible. But, you know, as far as their integrity as musicians, like, they are, you know, drawn to the music. They they love the mu- either. You know, there's certain character qualities that you have to give to them. You know, like, <laughs> take the music away and they're nothing. So Truly. It, I pretty mean, much. That they're... I mean... <laughs> and you get in the saucy... Uh, the saucy Jack talk too when it's like this <laughs> this uh, this tour in the party in L A that you oh, know God, even though just... they're trying to be all about it while they're on tour like when they're winding down uh, Derek's like hey why don't we just do this stuff that we've never been able to do before and, and Derek says hey you know saucy Jack and then David Saint Hubs is like oh I want to play my acoustic numbers with the London Philharmonic right. <laughs> yeah. and again that also mirrors a, a lot of what a lot of bands do when they reach a stopping point where they can't continue with what they've been good at they branch off and do this sometimes ridiculous stuff sometimes it really does well sometimes it really falls flat Beatles are probably one of the only examples of groups that could have broken up at when they and how they did and still maintain their fame mm-hmm. and still maintain the level of quality of music that they did. It makes you wonder if they would have continued into the 80s and if 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 Yoko hadn't have happened, I yeah. They I think they would have had a trajectory that was very similar to the Rolling Stones. I think that if they had stayed healthy, you no know, George Harrison getting cancer, you know, decide. But if they had stayed healthy, I think they still would be playing and they still would be a force. You don't they think w- they'd be playing at the HOI State Fair? You know what? No. Probably not. No. <laughs> I like think really not. don't that they would think that way. No, because first of all, Paul McCartney and John Lennon were two of the most brilliant rock musicians ever. Paul McCartney is still doing good things, but... Is he still a brilliant rock musician? No, he's he's hit his he hit his plateau a long time ago, and he's still doing great stuff. But it's not to the par of what it was, and he would agree with you. And that's right. the brilliant thing. He's just out there doing what he loves to do, and no one's going to look at him and oh, this was the most horrible quote and wonderful quote quote I've heard recently when he did that bit with um, he just did something with what was it Kanye West recently. He's oh, collaborating God, with yeah. him on his uh, new right. album. Well, it's it's not McCartney's album. It's Kanye's album. Kanye's mm-hmm. album. So he's, he's helping write music or performing. I, I don't know. I heard this the other day. A teenager said, hey, I just heard this old guy playing with Kanye. Mm-hmm. He's got a great future ahead of him. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like it's... And it broke my heart because I was like, you're talking about Paul McCartney. A founding member of the greatest, one of the greatest bands ever. You're talking, I wanted to reach out and strangle this young person and shake them and say, Kanye West, there's nothing that he will do ever that will match a crap that Paul takes on a Sunday morning after taco night. Mm -hmm. There's nothing that he will do that will match that. And yet this young person said, oh, it's great that Kanye's giving him a chance. <laughs> well, they would have to be vegan tacos because I think he's a vegan. Well, be that as it <laughs> Well, it just, it just shows how much music isn't valued. Uh, and it's not just, you know, this generation. It's been generations past, and that's part of what... Sorry. <laughs> Jimmy just broke me. <laughs> no, that... I completely, 100% agree with Stu, absolutely, without equivocation. But I feel like... 
Maybe it's people like that is the reason that Paul McCartney is doing this. It's certainly not for the money. It's certainly not because he's trying to revitalize his career, but maybe he likes Kanye's music. He might. I mean, I like some of Kanye's music. But, well, Kanye is another great example. Some of his music is incredible, but you see him interviewed and you see these quotes that he says and just his general view on life. It's despicable. It it's it it makes me feel rotten inside. I really don't care because I don't like his music either. Yeah. I mean, I just think he's mostly hype, but... Oh, yeah. Well, he is totally hype. I mean, I like... A, a good handful of his songs, but it's, you know, you follow somebody too closely and you see what's what's behind the music, and it's not pretty. Well, here's the thing, uh, going back to Spinal Tap. God. They actually played um, Royal Albert Hall and Wembley Stadium. Right. So it's kind of strange how this band that not was a parody. Film, yeah, this is later on. I think yeah. the Royal well, no, Albert was... Hall was like 92, and then 2009 when they did some 25th anniversary shows, they played Wembley Stadium. And it's oh, kind you're of... talking about the, the that actual group later on after the after the movie? Yeah, after the oh, film. Oh, yeah, no, but that was all just a... That was a joke still. It's it's an ongoing joke. No, and... what I was, I was saying is um, it's strange that this band that is parodying uh, failing, past their prime, horribly unpopular band is in real so life well. is can you know say yeah it, you know it's uh it's eight years after the release of this film uh, let's play Royal Albert Hall and then on the 25th anniversary yeah we can book Wembley Stadium that's just like it's they absurd can do it, they can do it and for all the right reasons though they can do it because it is absurd. They can do it because no matter what, this this has got a cult following that's never going to go away. As long as this this movie exists, this cult following is going to be there. And quite frankly, it it with good reason because it is such a ridiculous concept. This ridiculous concept of fame and the idea of rock and roll fame. There are very few people who can last through this rock and roll fame without being burned to ashes. And they are a perfect example of them not making it through it. I mean, they were burned to ashes at the end, even Mm. though it was a get back together sort of deal at the end of the movie they were there there has been at that point and everyone on the stage knows it yeah well they're big in japan sex farms number five (laughs) so could we just i wanted to mention a couple of my favorite spinal tap songs yes please i have it brought up on google oh great i thought about it because lick my love pump i don't even know if i can say that on the air yes you can all right so we got big bottom give me some money sex farm flower people uh, Christmas with the Devil, which is awesome. One of my favorites would be Break Like the Wind. <laughs> Rainy Day Sun, Warmer Than Hell, another one. Clam yep. Caravan. Clam Caravan. <laughs> so awful. <laughs> Stinking up the great outdoors. Doors. Man, I would... So, uh, the, the, the titles themselves... Are so hysterical for Yeah, these the instrumentals are, well, like we've discussed, pretty decent. The lyrics are the lyrics absolutely are, okay, genius. Okay, Big Bottom, the, the lyrics for that song are just comedic genius. They're comedic genius. I mean, no one's ever going to sing that as a serious song and think that it's a serious song. It's just not going to happen, ever. And yet, they sing it. And it becomes this serious 
almost rock anthem. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then s- something else that I thought in in terms of ripped from the headlines, uh, I love this scene. And I had heard these before about artists getting lost trying to find their way up to the stage. <laughs> that whole bit was hilarious. <laughs> and I guess uh, Jimmy Page, Robert Plant, Dee Snyder, and Ozzy Osbourne have all reported getting lost on stage. Uh, well, Ozzy Osbourne thought this movie was real the first time he watched it. Yeah. What? Yeah. No. Which I, I, I think that was a widespread well, thing when it first came out. About. That That's people, Ozzy, though, yeah. that people right. watched it and they're like, why are they following around this band that nobody's ever heard of? Like, a lot of people <laughs> didn't put two and two together. Wow. Yeah, that was movie. hysterical. So did you guys know that Christopher Guest is married to Jamie Lee Curtis? Really? Yes. Is that hot or what? I got Good a for big him. old fat crush on her. Oh. It's because of them guitar skills. Seriously. No, it's you like should Jamie definitely Lee Curtis. watch. I'm going to link a couple interviews with Christopher Guest to the website because they are absolutely hysterical. I love Jamie Lee Curtis. Me I mean, too. she's one of my top ten crushes yeah. of all she tops Helen Mirren on my list. Oh, yeah. She's, no, yeah, definitely above Helen Mirren. So, uh, yeah, pretty great movie. Yeah. Funny. I, it's one of, I, this, I've seen it probably eight or nine times. And oh, yeah. It's, it's, the, the, the rewatchability factor is huge with this This is movie. a movie you can put on with a bunch of people, just be having a conversation you know, it doesn't matter if that it's on or it's not on or whatever it is, but it's one of those movies that if you come back to it, you're always going to watch those parts that drew you in the most. The scene where he's talking about the amplifier and his guitars, Nigel doing that, the scene where they get lost, the the scene where they they get the album, smell the glove for the first time. All of those scenes, those are iconic, wonderful scenes for this film. And that everybody is going – it doesn't matter if you're just chit-chatting or whatever. This group of actors and actresses continues to, even to this day, put out stuff that is very funny, very approachable. And again, just it, – it touches something in all of us that, that makes perfect sense to me. I don't know personally. So. Yeah. No, Waiting for Guffman was, I think, my second favorite next to Spinal Tap. Oh, yeah. But he's just – it's its such an interesting breed of humor that's so – it's almost awkward. I call it cringeworthy. The scene because that, it's real. It yeah. makes you want I, – I can't handle because, stuff like that. Just it makes because me want so to leave the room. It's ad-libbed, you know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because they, they may have a loose structure set in place for, you know, what direction they're going to be taking. But that doesn't mean that there is a definite point A and definite points in between point A and point B, mm-hmm. you know? So much of that was improvised that uh, – well, here's the thing, too. Uh, supposedly, they had, like, 100 hours of footage to sift through just for this film alone. Mm-hmm. Just imagine how much they had that got cut. Right. <laughs> wow. Apparently, there's a four-hour version, too, that's what? super hardcore underground bootleg. Yeah, I, I don't know if I'd want to watch four hours, but it'd be interesting no. to see. Uh, yeah, I might. Yeah. Four hours is a little much. That might be a little much. Yeah. One one thing I noticed today that I'd never noticed before in the earlier scenes where they all have cold sores. Oh, that oh, was from there was a they, they, when they they're all, all when they, they, all they have, first meet the there friend, they all slept character. together. I there, guess there was no there was a there was a scene that was cut from the film. Uh, there had been an opening band with a female lead singer, and oh, yeah, uh, yeah, Derek, yeah. Derek, <laughs> David, and Nigel had all slept with her. So <laughs> she ended up giving all of them. Herpes. My son looked at me and goes. 
are they? Do they all have STDs? <laughs> all of them? Of and course, I would son, say, they're Spencer, in a rock band. They do. <laughs> yes, son, they all have herpes. How? I don't know, boy. I just don't know. Son, go back to your room. <laughs> that was very Homer of you to say, boy. <laughs> oh, I said. <laughs> That's awesome. I think I've pretty much said my words. I'm sure I'll watch this movie again within the next year. Oh, yeah. I'll probably watch it within the next month. I'm going to live it out. I just love the fact that it's hilarious, but like we talked about... Cultures and all? (laughs) All right. There there are so many things that are true to life here that even if you watched it as, okay, I'm going to pretend that this is a real band for a second and not laugh at it at all, it's tragically hilarious in certain aspects because we mentioned these bands like, you know, Molly Hatchet and I think even 38 Special were out just limping around playing (laughs) shows, you know, Uh, did band... Bad Company, did they do the same thing where they were just kind of on, you know, this novelty uh, throwback circuit? Yeah. And it, you'll go to county fairs and they'll be the headliners, but where are they Striper. headlining? Striper. Well, they're headlining their five greatest hits. I really like Bad Company, but you, YouTube, Bad Company Live, like anything past 2011, it's Not bad. Good. Not good. It's bad. And, and a lot of it's just because some singers are just blessed to have strong vocal cords up till death. Like Ronnie James Dio, you know, before he passed, could almost sing like he did uh, 30 years before. And he also took care of himself. Well, most guys in rock bands don't. They're going to drink and smoke themselves into oblivion. So later in life, when they try to calm down, you can tell it in their voices. You know, if you're a guitarist, I mean, you're a little bit lucky because you can still play, maybe not like before. Uh, But these guys, I would would like to see a follow-up where... They're just completely broken down. It's just like Spinal Tap, fade to black. 20 years later. That would be awesome. It's actually now 30 years later. That's true. Yeah, because, you know, uh, the 1992 Royal Albert Hall special was them, you know, after the fact. So it's them in 1992. And I don't think the 25th anniversary was really more than just a concert. I'd have to check that out. It'd be nice to see something, even if it was like a short special of... What are they up to now? What are they doing? Are they doing? Well, they could bring back at least the three main leads, but they would have to replace the drummer again, of course. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they've gone through 32 band members all together. All of them are which drummers. Is incredible. <laughs> well, Stuart, guess what time it is. Ah, uh, yes. I spoke with a friend of mine today, and I asked him what he personally would like to say. Mr. Tim Karth, this is going out to you. Yes, sir, this is your shout-out. I agree with him 100%. We need to do something that's a little off of our beaten path. I say we do the King's Speech for our next podcast. I love that film. If you have not seen it, Ben, you have not seen it? Nope. We just watched. It's brilliant. You'll love it. Colin Firth is Absolutely phenomenal in it. The King's Speech. That's cool. our next one. All for right. Our next podcast. And uh, but that's that's I, I love this film personally, and it and I, it was an Academy Award winner anyway. So, and I think that that in and of itself makes it worthy of us talking about it. Oh, absolutely. More than anything else, but yeah, I just saw a preview yep. for that. Uh, we watched uh, the Imitation Game, which was incredible. Oh, that one I can't wait to see. Oh my god, I cannot wait to see that one. Is that that red one box. looks is, well most I, red boxes. Well, yeah. No, that looked brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. So, And he was also in King's Men. So when you started King's saying speech, King's, I was like... King's Men. Which I don't know if that'd be available because no, I don't think the out. movie's been... No, it's still, it's still in the theaters. theaters. Yeah, really? It's still in theaters. Yeah. Wow, it's been out for we a while. Almost, we almost, must well, be doing well. February. 
I yeah. really, 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 really loved that movie. You did? Yes. Okay. Well, we'll have to... Well, Colin Firth is a brilliant actor either way, and he's my wife's, you know, imaginary boyfriend, so... All right, well, that's about it. Uh, if you want to listen to our past episodes, you can find them at movieshowtheater.com. Leave us a message at the 90.7 WAZU Facebook page or the Movie Show Theater page. In honor of This Is Spinal Tap, we're releasing all of our episodes on vinyl. Yeah, we are. And cassette. And cassette. We're going to burn them all onto vinyl. Burn them. We have a website at movieshowtheater.com. You can listen to all of our past episodes. You can download them or listen to them on iTunes. So, until next Tuesday, I'm Jimmy Malone. I'm Stuart Randolph. I'm Vince. And this is Movie Show Theater.